Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. There are two scripture lessons printed in your order of worship today. We've been reading from First and Second Timothy now for a few weeks. Today will be the last reading, and we'll go in a different direction next week. So we'll read the, the end of Second Timothy, or part of it at least. And then we'll also read from the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 6. And so if you want to follow on the screen or in your own Bible or in the order of worship, uh, however you take it in this morning, I invite you to hear these words of Scripture. Beginning with Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. As for me... I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At first, my def- at my first defense, no one came to my support, all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Next, we read from the Gospel according to Luke. We often read, uh, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon of the Plain. Uh, We often read it on All Saints Sunday as it helps to remind us what it means uh, to faithfully follow God, follow Jesus. And so I invite you to hear these words today as we think about those saints who have gone before us. Then he being Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures, and let us say together, Amen. Let us pray. Yes, God, we give thanks today uh, with grateful hearts. We gather to worship as we look around the room, as we fellowship with one another, as we lift our voices in song, as we share in prayers, as we remember the saints who have shaped our lives and our church, who have shaped your church across the centuries. Our hearts are filled, overflowing with reasons to give thanks. As we gather around the Scriptures, God, may you speak to us through the words of Scriptures. May you speak perhaps through my words, perhaps in spite of my words, that these, your people, would be drawn into your presence this day. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, of all of our Christian holidays that have been adopted and adapted by mainstream culture, 
I want to suggest to you this morning that Halloween is perhaps uh, the most Christian of the holidays still celebrated out in the broader culture. Why would I say that? Well, just look at these faces, right? Don't this look like a bunch of happy Christians uh, celebrating and worshiping? Uh, Here we have the McMunn family and the Leathers family uh, doing a Wizard of Oz for us, and they won uh, Trunk of the Year. You can see there that trophy. Now, you may be thinking, that trophy looks like an old planter that came out of a closet in the back of the church, uh, and you would be right about that. But still... Uh, look how proud they are to have received that reward. Halloween, of course, is rooted in Christian tradition. There's a little blurb there on the front of your bulletin that explains All Hallows' Eve uh, was a worship service on October 31st in the tradition of the church where you would remember the saints, remember those who died, who have gone before you. Now we do that on Sunday morning following October 31st, the first Sunday in November. So All Hallows' Eve was a Christian worship service that became a more secular and mainstream celebration, an event, both to recognize the sense of community and hospitality and joy and fellowship like we had at our trunk or treat Sunday evening, but also All Hallows' Eve and then Halloween was an occasion to poke fun at death, to poke fun at death. Halloween is silly. There's nothing funnier than a small child dressed as a ghoul or a goblin or a vampire coming up and asking for candy, right? We're sort of used to that now, but just think of how goofy that is, and that's kind of the point. Halloween is meant to be silly. It's the time when we as Christians laugh at one another, and in so doing, laugh at our mortality and even laugh at death. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in Christ's resurrection, and therefore death is no longer something to fear. And so we get together at Halloween, and we have a big party, and we laugh and poke fun at death. That's part of what we're doing here this morning as well. It can be hard to talk about death. We in the church world or those who work in maybe other settings have occasions and reasons to talk about death more often than most. It's not a topic that comes up in conversation regularly. It's not good uh, dinner conversation or holiday conversation, but it's important to think about what it means when we die. The picture here of this gentleman is is Alan Verhey. He was a Christian ethics professor at seminary for me. He was not a a well-known professor. He didn't have a big personality. Uh, He was a a real gentle man, Uh, but he lectured with, with such a warmth and seriousness that he became a favorite professor for many of us. Uh, You got the sense when we were in his class that he wasn't just working to make us good pastors or good church leaders, but he was really trying to make us into good Christians. I remember him saying things like, um, God's good future. That was his favorite phrase. He would always talk about God's good future. Uh, Whatever ethical dilemma or ethical concern we were considering, he would would, uh, encourage us to remember God's good future, meaning that God was always ahead of us, And no matter the challenge we faced in this current moment, it didn't necessarily mean it was going to be our worst moment. That God was redeeming even the most difficult circumstances and so we could trust in God's good future. Dr. Verhey was a wonderful professor. He wrote this book called The Christian Art of Dying. This is his last book, his his most major work. It's a really long book, but it's really readable where he thinks about what it means to die and how to die faithfully. One thing he talks about in the book, and you might resonate with this a little bit, is how much our dying has changed just in the last few decades. It wasn't long ago that people regularly died at home. That was commonplace, to die at home, surrounded by your family. Now, most people die in a hospital bed, surrounded by medical equipment, 
staff, nurses, maybe doctors. And so he invites us to think about how our dying has changed and how our experience with death has changed and how as Christians and how as people in the church, we, we might need some help learning again what it means to die faithfully with hope and with peace in our hearts. Today on All Saints Sunday, we come to recognize the reality of death. Much like a funeral, today is a day where we acknowledge that those we love and those we, we celebrate who came before us, that they are no longer with us. And so it's one of the occasions throughout the year that we might think a little more carefully about our dying So how should we do so? Well, today we read from Paul's letter to Timothy. This is the last reading here at the end of 2 Timothy. And in this lesson, Paul writes about his own dying. I've told you in the other sermons that we think 1 and 2 Timothy were written in the latter part of Paul's ministry, the final years of his life. And the reason we think that is because of the verses we read today. We read today, I'm being poured out, my time has come to an end, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race. And so when we read the letters of Timothy, particularly here at the end of 2 Timothy, the context clues tell us that Paul thinks he is about to die. And whether he's going to die in prison or he's going to die a martyr, we don't really know. The details of Paul's death are not recorded, but we certainly get the impression that these are some of the final things that he has written and shared with fellow believers. So today I want to lift up to you these three metaphors that Paul offers in thinking about his own dying that might be helpful in thinking about ours as well. The first thing that Paul says there as we were reading is that he is being poured out as a libation. Poured out as a libation. Now of all the metaphors that I'm going to present to you today, this is probably the one that doesn't resonate with us entirely unless we're pretty familiar with the Old Testament. The Old Testament system of sacrifices, both for sin and for ritual offerings, often included grain sacrifices or meat sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and sometimes occasionally included a drink offering sacrifice. Here's an example from Numbers 28 where it talks about bringing a grain offering and bringing a meat offering, but then also bringing a drink offering. You could read for other places where those verses are similar. A drink offering is only used in a few particular cases. Uh, Scholar Peter Lightheart talks about how a drink offering is used right as the people are going into the promised land. That the drink offering is sort of the final act by the worshiper to recognize that, that something is about to change, that something's about to be different. And so it seems pretty clear what Paul's doing is he's using that Old Testament language as a way to describe his own life. That his life of ministry, that his life of service to others has been a form of sacrifice. And now in his final days or final hours, he describes himself as being poured out. Which is a wonderful image. Being emptied for the sake of God and for the sake of ministry to others. So how should we think about death? Well, here's one way. To think about the sacrifice of our lives being poured out to God. The second image that Paul offers us is one that is not so complicated. Famously, in verse 7, Paul says what you know well, I have finished the race, I have fought the fight, I have kept the faith. Finally, here the Bible offers us a sports metaphor that I can work with, right? I love sports, and so many of you uh, follow sports as well. This is a sports metaphor. We know that Olympic games go back well before the New Testament, so Paul is using the language of athletics, Fought the fight, put on the gloves, went to, went to bout with my opponent, finished the race, ran a long race, a marathon, and finished the course. So Paul describes his life of faith as, as a game or even a career in athletics. And he says about himself that he's essentially given all he has 
And now the game is over. And now it's time to rest. The third image that Paul offers us is that he has been rescued from a lion. Now, as best we know, Paul was never thrown to the lions. That's not recorded in Scripture anywhere, although there were some Christians who were thrown to the lions, both as punishment and as entertainment. Here we think Paul is using this as a metaphor that his life, all the trials and tribulations that he's faced over and over again, he has been rescued from the lion. But notice what he says now in these final moments of his life that he's being rescued for the heavenly kingdom. And so I think Paul's kind of using that verbiage in a, in a double sort of way. And in the first sense, he was rescued from all the trials and tribulations he's faced. But now even, even death is becoming a form of rescue. That even death, this mortal life, this mortal body, this body that often experiences pain and illness, fear and, and worry that death is this sort of final rescue where God saves us again, not our temporal lives, not our mortal lives, but saves us for the sake of the heavenly kingdom. And so Paul says, I have been rescued from the lion and I am being rescued in my dying for the sake of the heavenly kingdom. Even death is a form of God's rescue and care for Paul and for us. Today on All Saints Day, as we think about all of the saints who come before us, we named some of them a moment ago. We in the Protestant church, we use saints here with a little s. There are saints that have been canonized and recognized by the Roman Catholic Church, like the Apostle Paul or Timothy or Priscilla or Aquila or St. Augustine. Those are saints that come with that capital S saint. But when we say saints, we really mean all of the people who came before us. Our grandparents, our mothers, our fathers, aunts, uncles, caregivers, Sunday school teachers, pastors, all of those who helped to shape our lives of faith, both those we knew and even those we didn't. Today on All Saints Day, we look to those people and we are reminded of what it means to live faithfully, but also what it means to die faithfully. When we think about the names that were listed here this morning or the names that you carry on your own heart or in your own mind, you might think about them through the lens of Paul's teaching. Didn't those people model to us a life of sacrifice? Didn't they pour themselves out for us and for their church? Didn't they run the race and fight the faith and, and finish their course? Didn't they allow themselves to be rescued by God one final time, even in their death? This morning, Paul offers us a framework. He's talking about his own life and his own dying, but, but he's really describing the life and dying of, of all faithful Christians. Finishing the sacrifice, completing the race and the course, being rescued once and for all by God. Dr. Verhey is on my mind this morning because while we were still in seminary, after completing his ethics course, Dr. Verhey developed cancer, and his condition worsened very quickly, and he died while we were still students there. Which was an odd thing. He was still in his late 60s. He was otherwise a young and healthy man. And so as his students and as a seminary community, we were particularly heartbroken over that. At the same time, his final book, his final major contribution to the academic world was this book called The Christian Art of Dying. The Christian Art of Dying. 
And so you can see some parallels there that the last thing that Dr. Verhe contributed to his profession, the Christian art of dying, and then died within a couple of years. Paul today, one of the last things he writes to Timothy and to us is here's what it means to die well as a sacrifice, as one who ran the race as hard as they could, and one who is being rescued by God. I hope today that you hear two things. First, words of comfort as we think about those who came before us, celebrating the way in which they lived and the way in which they died. But I also hope as you think about those who came before us that you also hear a word of encouragement, if not a challenge. Imagine those who came before us, pastors and friends and loved ones, looking down on us even now as we worship today, offering us similar advice to what Paul offered Timothy. You're still alive. You're still here. You're still engaged in this world. How should you live? You should live in this way. Sacrifice yourself to God for the sake of the church and for the sake of others. Run your race. Fight your fight. Finish the course. Live the life of faith with as much gusto and energy and effort as you can because one day you will rest. And I promise you, when your time comes, the Lord will rescue you too. You need not fear death. Just as the Lord has rescued you in this life many times over, even in your death, the Lord will rescue you again. The saints of our church, the saints of our lives, join people like the Apostle Paul and Timothy, people like Dr. Verhe cheering us on, offering us this word of encouragement and advice. Today I invite you to remember those who came before you, but then to live in a way that reflects their life of faith and their dying in faith as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.